Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, the first 14 verses. Hear the word of God. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. This is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant, covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Now, these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest goes. And he, but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The word of the Lord. It is a struggle uh, to believe, the struggle to live out the gospel of the Christian faith. It's a struggle to live regardless of your belief. Uh, life is difficult, and believing in the gospel or in Christianity uh, isn't, isn't an easy button. You know, it's not an easy button. You take around, you kind of push it out, you, you swallow the gospel pill, and now life is just, uh, everything's hunky-dory. Everything goes well. You're happy. Nothing's hard. Everything's easy. It doesn't work that way. Life is still difficult to struggle uh, believing the gospel, following Christ where he calls us. Um, and, and it's difficult, part of it is because of some of the just patterns of our existence, patterns of our, of our life, the rust that we get into, uh, the coping mechanisms that we've learned for how to deal with hard things. And one of those uh, ruts in that struggle is, is our focus on the outward more than on the inward. Our concerns tend to be on the, on the outward, external things more than on the inward. I mean, if we can make our life appear good, um, if we can uh, appear good on the outside, that'll make, things, that'll make things feel better. Or at least other people will think they're better, and then that'll make our whole life a little bit better. If we can, um, uh, if we can dress well, lose weight, wear a smile, uh, do the right thing, at least when others can see, then right, the life's going to be a little bit better. Um, 
But it ends up that we still feel empty uh, on the inside. It doesn't, it doesn't get us all uh, that we're wanting. We're still hurting on the inside, wishing that there was something that could, that could reach inward and heal, uh, heal the pain that's there, the pain that we don't want to talk about or sometimes even acknowledge. Um, well, it, it's time to set things straight. That's the way the passage speaks about it. Uh, in fact, the time of setting things straight has already come with Christ, that he's come uh, to set things right. That's what you see at the end of verse uh, 10. Um, it talks about this focus on the external things and, and all that through the Old Testament. That it was, it was uh, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. Uh, until the time of the new order, you could translate it, or until the time of setting things straight, uh, setting them right is the sense of the word. When Christ uh, appeared as high priest, uh, the time of setting things uh, right begun. If no longer, uh, from him not being no longer focused on the outside, um, but showing us the real change uh, begins uh, from the inside and works its way out through Christ uh, changing us on the inside. I'll tell you a, a, a story. Uh, I think it connects with Lisa for a little fun, too. Um, and uh, when, I was a, when I was a student back in uh, freshman year, I think it was uh, 1997, uh, RUF used to, you know, the summer conference, you got the things out there for, like, summer conferences or national conference. We used to have a, a winter conference. Um, it was called Life View. I remember 1997 uh, going to going to LifeView, which for some reason at FSU was in the announcements got advertised as YFU as well. And so I think we took the biggest uh, group of people that we've ever taken to like an event up to up to LifeView. Uh, my wife was there, but she was already here at FSU too. Um, Anyways, it was, it, was, it was great conference, a lot of, a lot of good things there, great teaching. But uh, one of the things I remember had nothing to do with the teaching was, uh, was one of the guys who, who was there to do the announcements, who was kind of the MC for the thing. And he was a student from, uh, from Clemson, um, and he gave just, I remember, just to, in my mind, it was a hilarious introduction. He said that he was, uh, he'd been an alcoholic, uh, kind of drug addict before going to college, or maybe while he was in college, and then he was getting things turned around and getting things changed. He said, all right, I'm in college, I need to find a, find a group to get involved in, and he looked through different groups, and he saw, you know, saw like a, a booth or table or something for reformed university fellowship. And he was like, ah, oh, this will be great. This is perfect for me. Other people are trying to reform uh, their life and get things changed, right? Um, and he said that was the reason that he stepped in the door of, uh, of RUF, uh, of reformed university fellowship. Like, that's going to be a bunch of people just like me. Uh, he said it took him a couple weeks of figuring out, like, what exactly, you know, was the, what's the uh, you know, dynamics of this group and realized it was a Christian group. And, uh, but over that time, uh, he also uh, realized that in some senses they weren't people like him at all, and in other senses they were people that were a lot like him um, with their different addictions and sins that they were, they were stu- stuck in um, and realizing that the gospel, uh, <coughs> the gospel of Christ that was proclaimed there is what was was reforming. It was reforming uh, not just to get him off of, keep him off of alcohol or drugs or whatever else, but, but reforming uh, the heart uh, from the inside out, changing. Uh, but the gospel of Christ is setting things straight from the inside and the inside out. Uh, so let's look at, at two sides of the passage. Uh, first of all, outward imperfections. 
I think if you look at the passage, the first, uh, first part of this passage talks about outward imperfection. It's describing uh, the old covenant, right? Just in the passage before, it's talking about the old covenant and the new covenant that's come to us in Christ. But it's speaking of the old covenant as something that, that was dealing with our outward imperfections. You go back and you read the first thing, you know, it mentions a bunch of things in Exodus, like 25 to, uh, to 30 or so, and then continue, you read through Exodus, Leviticus, you get the sense that there was all these regula- regulations, that it was very easy to become outwardly defiled. Um, certain normal curse, courses of events, certain things that you might touch or eat or drink uh, could, could make you uh, unclean, unfit outwardly to be in God's presence because they were in the camp where God was, where the tabernacle was, the tent where God dwelled, where his cloud of presence was over it, and all the people gathered around it. And to be in that place, in the place where God was dwelling, they had to be made holy, made outwardly clean from these uh, various, different, uh, various different things where they could be unclean. And it mentions some of the ways uh, where, uh, where these outward imperfections were, were dealt with. Uh, the gifts, the offerings, the sacrifices were, that were made, and even, even a yearly uh, a day of atonement uh, sacrifice where the priest is going into the most holy place offering sacrifice for, insen- for himself and even, even right, the unintentional sins of the people, that they would be made uh, acceptable still outwardly to be in God's presence. Because outward imperfections just don't mix with the, with the presence of a perfect God, a holy God who's right in everything. But God wanted his people in his presence, so that's why all these regulations existed. Uh, reasons for them to see what it takes for them to be uh, in, uh, in his presence. Uh, you know, verse 13, the blood of animals, making the defiled uh, acceptable to him. But what you see as the passage talks about it is that it still deals only uh, with the outward imperfections. Right, as you look at uh, as you look at verse thirteen, it's, it's sanctifies for the purification of the flesh uh, outwardly. Or if you go back to the second half of verse nine, um, according to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, uh, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations uh, for the body. Right, imposed until uh, the time of Reformation. These things were, were useful. It was a way of uh, showing them uh, that, who God is and what it takes to be in his presence, but, but they were pointing to the need for more, pointing for the need for, for more than just that outward cleansing, that outward sense of being in God's presence. There was a need for it to deal uh, even with the conscience, with the awareness of our wrongs. Uh, so these things were pointing forward until the time of the, of the new order, of the Reformation, the time of Christ uh, coming and setting things right, but it deals with the outward imperfections. Now, in, in our time, uh, I think it's safe to say that we're, we're obsessed uh, with outward imperfections. Uh, maybe in a difference is not that we think that, that God won't accept us uh, if we don't have everything outwardly uh, in order, uh, but maybe God's acceptance isn't what we're concerned about. But if RUF could offer uh, regulations and arrangements to deal with outward physical imperfections, uh, right, the whole campus would be coming to RUF. It would be like the hottest thing going. Everyone would want to, uh, want to be here, right? And I think for most of us, when you hear, when you hear the phrase outward imperfections, 
you, you can probably come up with a whole list of things that pop up in your mind that you would love to change about your outward appearance given the, given the chance. Ways that you wish you were smaller, uh, ways that you wish that you were bigger. Um, guys uh, and girls uh, concerned, really obsessed uh, with outward appearance. Um, I wish I had smoother skin. Um, I wish I had whiter teeth, personally. Um, I wish I had less fat, maybe stronger uh, jawline, stronger muscles. You know, like I look in the mirror, these are the, these are the things I think. Um, we want to get, get rid of outward imperfections, um, the things that stare at us from the mirror. Um, and, if, and, and if we could, uh, we think that if we could get rid of those things, our life would be golden, right? Our life would be better. We would be, we would be happy. We would get the things that we want. Um, uh, maybe not an easy button, but there would be less struggling if we had none of those outward uh, imperfections around. And I say obsessed, um, because I think we are. We're, we're obsessed. Uh, we're, we're fixated on pretty much any way that we can hear about that deals with outward imperfections. Um, we want to know more about it. Even if we would never do that, we're still like, really? And how does it work? And then what are the results of that, right? Maybe it starts with obvious things of you know, finding the right hairstyle that kind of you know, accents your features, fits with the shape of your head, all those kind of things, right? Or, or how your hair grows, um, or whether or not you should have a beard, you know, for the guys in the wintertime. I think my chin may look better with a beard, you know, kind of, I go back and forth on these things. Um, the, uh, what clothes you wear, how you're, you know, uh, what, what you're, how you're going to dress, what kind of styles you're going to show. Um, uh, you know, makeup, whatever different, different things that you're, you're put on. And it starts with maybe normal things, maybe it starts small, but it, it's something that it seems like it never ends either. Um, that no matter how far it goes, there's still something more. It can go from, uh, you know, from those kind of normal things to, uh, to starving ourselves, uh, to making ourselves uh, sick, to applying different, different chemicals and going on uh, one extreme diet after another extreme diet or, or going, going through surgery. I mean, really, but that's what, that's what we've got all the time. Like, going through surgery, to, that's, that's painful. To physically alter, right, perceived imperfections, uh, blemishes, uh, flaws in some sense. We'll spend all types of uh, money on it, whether that's just from shopping to, to, uh, to these more extreme things. Spend all types of time on it. Uh, going to the gym. Going to a 5K on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, doesn't have to be for these reasons, just to come hang out. Um, uh, uh, spending time at the gym, working out, that kind of thing, or even just time that we spend obsessing over all of it. Um, if that's not enough, we can also watch other people obsess over it, right? It's um, not talking to your friends and you just flip through, uh, flip through the TV on any given night and there's some kind of show uh, dealing with people's outward appearances and how they're trying to fix that, right? Whether it's uh, um, things like Extreme Makeover or a whole bunch of uh, other shows. Um, but we're obsessed with it. Uh, we're obsessed with outward imperfections. And um, if I'm going to say obsessed, I think I should even go so far as to say that we're, we're religiously obsessed with it. Um, maybe in both sense of it, and that's where, maybe that's where we can see the lie most clearly. Um, uh, if I can put it this way, we're, we're worshiping Aphrodite in a sense, and, uh, and she's not exactly kind. Uh, she's not helping us out. 
See, the illusion is that if we deal with these outward imperfections in whatever sense, if we deal with these outward imperfections, it'll heal us on the inside too. If we can get those things taken care of, people are going to love me more. People are going to respect me. I'm going to have the things that I want. Life's going to go well. That's, that's the lie that we're being sold uh, in, in every, every commercial. Um, it's the lie we want to be sold. Uh, Karen and I watched the documentary uh, the other day, uh, America the Beautiful. Um, fascinating, fascinating documentary kind of on, on the American view of, of outward beauty. Um, and uh, one of the, the storylines that it kept going back to is this girl, this 13-year-old girl uh, who is a, a runway model. She was, she was 13. She was like six foot tall or something when she was 13. She was a 13-year-old runway model. Like, like that's the image of beauty that we're trying to sell that we think is what people are wanting and, and trying to look like. She's, she's 13. She's even on magazine covers and stuff. And then it, then it comes back to her a few other times at the end of the movie. Uh, as she's grown a little bit more, as her body has changed a little bit more and then some other things going on, she stops for whatever reason to be able to get uh, some of those modeling jobs. And then he's... He's interviewing her and asking her questions about this, and this same girl who at 13 is on you know, cover of magazines is still saying, I don't think I'm attractive. I don't think I'm appealing. See, it's not working for her. I mean, she's, she's got what, what people that decide what beautiful are deciding that what she is is the beauty that we want, and then she's still saying, it's not working. Uh, I'm not fitting. I'm not attractive. See, we think that if our outward blemishes were gone, uh, everyone would like us. Or at least, like, the right people would like us. Right? We could get the, get the person uh, that we want, partner that we want, spouse we want. We could get the job that we want. Um, that we could be happy on the inside and satisfied with who we are if, if those things could, could change. Um, I mean, the show Extreme Makeover, it's not, uh, it's not nearly as bad as some of the shows. It can, it can be a, maybe a fun show. Um, but Extreme Makeover, at the same time, it, it's offering a religious experience. It's offering a religious experience of a, of a new identity, of a new start, of a, of a new self. Um, by making all these outward changes, you, you can have a new sense inwardly of who you are, right? It starts with the outside, and, and it's going to work its way to the inside, and everything's going to be the way we need it to be. Um, it's a lie. It doesn't work. It drives us down. It drives us into that same cycle of maybe we can keep it up for a little bit, and then, then it's coming back to bite us. It isn't supposed to work. Back to verse 10. Uh, it only uh, deals uh, with the with the with the body. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I get the I get the uh, the difference, right? This passage is talking about old covenant regulations. Uh, modern sense of beauty is not is not the old covenant. I'm not just trying to overlap those things, but but in the sense of the way that the that the old covenant what it was dealing with was dealing with those outward imperfections and what it takes for us to be. Uh, clean and acceptable before God, but only in an external sense, because it was pointing to what we need more fully in Christ in the internal sense. Maybe we are concerned with the outward things of being accepted before God, or maybe we're concerned with the outward things of just being accepted, of having religious satisfaction or just fulfillment in life. Uh, and we think that, like those things, it's, it's the outward. But everything about the old covenant of God's way of directing his people was saying the outward is to point to something more. These were only uh, until the time of Reformation, until the time of the new order, until the time 
of Christ as our priest uh, coming to set things straight, uh, to move uh, beyond the outward imperfections and deal uh, with the inward. To move from the outward imperfections to talk secondly about inward imperfections because uh, there's, there's plenty of those there too, right? Uh, look, look at verses 12 and 13 that makes they make this contrast. I'm sorry, 13 and, uh, 13 and 14. Uh, For if the blood of, bull, uh, of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the defiled person with the ashes of the heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, outwardly, right? How much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience, we could say inward, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And that sounds good. Pur- purifying the conscience. Uh, what the outward's never able to reach. Uh, where that inward satisfaction can be. And notice that the, that inward change is even something that works itself uh, outwardly as well for us to, to serve the living God. Inward imperfections. Uh, you, know who I, uh, you know who I envy, though? Um, I, I, sometimes I think I envy um, the, the fat self-absorbed, obnoxious snobs. Don't you envy those people? The, the, the fat of self-absorbed, obnoxious snobs. I'm not saying I don't hate them as well, um, but, but it's kind of like where, where they get off there, they're these obnoxious, they still manage to look down on people. They still manage to think of themselves as like better than other people. And like, where's that coming from? Right, they've got something that, that I don't that I don't got. Uh, um, they're they're ugly and they're still looking down on other people. Um, uh, I don't really envy the obnoxious ones. But I tell you, I do I do admire um, the uh, the you might say on the outside ugly but very nice and very uh, self confident uh, person. It's it's loving uh, other people and they've they've got something that I don't that I don't have uh, sometimes, or that I'm not resting in. Something on the inside uh, that makes them comfortable on the outside. You know, they don't have the image of beauty that I think I'm supposed to have or other people are supposed to have, but, but you are happy and joyful in life and loving other people and reaching out and just comfortable in their own skin. Like, that's good. Who wants that? Now, you have to be careful or you'll hear me... Uh, it's seeming to promote a different kind of false religion of just of loving ourselves, right? If we have this right inward view of ourselves, if we can just love who we are on the inside, then it's going to shape everything else for us, of just loving ourselves, uh, forgiving ourselves, being happy with ourselves uh, as, the, as the way to satisfaction. Um, if I can be maybe a little crude or over the top, uh, we've, we've got a word for that already, right? Uh, we've got a word for that type of self-love, uh, and we call that masturbation. And then you talk to most people, and it doesn't, it's not something that leaves you uh, uh, fulfilled, it's something that leaves you empty. That's what we're being offered in that. Um, it's not simply about who, it's not simply about ourselves. There's a relationship uh, that we have with other people. Uh, ultimately, the relationship, most importantly, that we have before God uh, that our conscience uh, is dealing with. Our conscience is our awareness of even our inward imperfections, uh, our wrongs before God, who even 
sees the heart. Right? Go back to the end of, uh, of Hebrews 4, uh, the, the God's word that uh, discerns even between the thoughts and the intentions of the heart that, that leads everyone naked and open to the account of him uh, who... <clears throat> Uh, who must who, who give an account? Um, that we're uh, it's even looking on the inward. Scary to think of all all, all those imperfections of someone else being able to see uh, those things. But how great would it be uh, to feel whole? Uh, to feel clean and good on the inside? To feel healed on the inside uh, and satisfied? Um, Satisfied not just with how you look, but with, but with who you are. Uh, to be rid of the insecurities, no matter how other people look at you. Uh, to have peace on the inside and, and, and confidence. To feel acceptable and clean. But the, but the conscience, conscience can be a painful thing, right? Consciousness—it's like that voice that plagues you, just gets in your way. It's, it's Jiminy Cricket popping up on your shoulder when you didn't whistle for him to do anything about it, right? Um, that constant—you've got the, you know, the other cartoon, you know, picture. You've got the, you've got the good voice telling you to do this, and the bad voice telling you to do to do these other things. It, it, it's like they're constantly there with us, whatever, whatever we're going about. Um, it's the incessant voice that keeps getting in the way of the things that you want to do, that you want to be able to do, that you want to be free to do. Um, and then after you do them, your conscience keeps making you feel bad. <sighs> right? Uh, keep standing in there. Like, you're wrong for doing that. Why did you do that? And you feel guilty. Uh, ashamed. Not easy to have a, a clean conscience on the inside. It requires perfection. Right? And Christ is that perfection uh, for us. He's come and he's set things uh, straight, set things uh, right uh, from the inside. He's the one who is offered, what's the pastor say, without blemish. Uh, without blemish before God, no fault. A clean conscience himself having uh, fully obeyed God uh, in everything that God required. Obedience even to the point of death. Uh, Philippians 2 tells us. And he's our priest. Uh, interceding for us, interceding before us, not in some earthly, temporary place where a sign of God's presence is, interceding in the true tent, having already entered into uh, the holy places where God is uh, with with the blood of his sacrifice, interceding for us, uh, his blood uh, that he offered through the eternal spirit for us. And we no longer, we no longer need to feel ashamed we no longer need to feel uh, guilty of anything. We can have a clean conscience, no longer ashamed before God, despite all of our failures that are there, all of our outward and inward uh, imperfections, because Christ covers us in His perfection. He's without blemish, inwardly and outwardly, and He covers us in His uh, perfection. We don't need to feel guilty before God, resting in Christ, though we sin, though we've uh, done wrong, because Christ's blood has been shed. Punishment of sin has been paid. It's been uh, sprinkled over us through our, through our faith in Christ. And it atones for our wrongs. Christ has set things straight. Um, in that relationship, he's set things straight between us and God. And in Christ, God has nothing against you. 
and before uh, the holy God that in the, in the old covenant they couldn't come into the camp without all these kind of outward ritual cleansings, before that holy God in Christ, uh, you can come and be accepted and be loved and have no need uh, for shame, but know his delight in you, um, his, his praise to you are, how he's made you and how his son has covered and perfected you, how his spirit is working uh, within you. And the passage even says about that this is once for all. That Christ has entered uh, as our representative, as our priest, into this uh, most holy, true tent before God with his presence interceding for us by his blood. And he's done it once for all. And I think there's a lot of things that we feel like maybe we could get right. Maybe we could get right for a little while and then we to see those, those things slipping away, right? We start to, start to be better in whatever area of our life, and then as soon as, we're, uh, you know, as, soon as we get to the next week, uh, miss, miss that again. Or I, think I'd be, I think I'd be worried on the outward side if, you know, I ever got some kind of plastic surgery, tell me, tuck something, you know, like then it's just going uh, to mess it all up again, right? Like, it's going to last. Um, certainly feel like with our, with our sins, man, we've, we've done wrong, we've got this imperfection, how can we... Christ, once for all time, uh, has done it uh, for us. The perfection that we desire has already been achieved. The approval that we long for, the acceptance uh, that we need, that we desire, is already uh, received. Christ has already entered the most holy place, the true most holy place, and so we are constantly welcome there. Welcome. We can come boldly into God's presence, uh, Hebrews has already said. There's nothing more to be done uh, nothing more to be added, nothing for us to kind of try, to, try to work up or leave aside. It depends on us. Christ has done it. He's done it once for all time, and all the benefits are ours. We get to enjoy the benefits of a clean conscience, clean on the inside before God, knowing our wrongs, knowing the things that would be shameful except that Christ has covered them. And, it, and, and God loves me. Knowing that God, God loves you on the inside and that you're clean, accepted in His sight, no longer trying to be good enough, trying to make up for mistakes, trying to feel, earn something that we feel like we lack. Um, and it doesn't make us more self-conscious. It frees us. Uh, it secures for us an eternal redemption, a rescuing us, a freeing us from our addictions and slavery to our sin, uh, to a service of the living God to an outward response of worshiping him, of loving him, of responding to the gospel, of living it out, not to, not to make things right, not to earn something anymore, but freely. Oh, because I've got no voice that, that accuses me. Oh, because Christ's voice has set me free. It's covered me. It's got outward uh, imperfections, inward imperfections, oh, but Christ and the gospel set things straight for us, between us and God. He gives us a clean conscience before God to uh, even respond outwardly. But it's still a struggle. It's a struggle not to focus on the outward, not to judge ourselves according to that, how other people think of us that, how we think of that. Uh, to not to think that our efforts on the, on the outside uh, can heal us on the inside. 
to struggle to believe that Christ could do enough to cover all that, to cover all our insecurities, that he already has and he's done it once for all. Uh, it's a struggle to let God purify our conscience uh, and to rest in that. It's a struggle for those who are considering Christianity and looking at it to believe that, that that's really possible and offered by God to us. Struggle for those within Christianity to rest uh, in its truth. But this is this is the gospel of what uh, Christ has done for us. Um, if I can go back to my story of the the MC at LifeU, um, reformed University of Fellowship. Not that we have uh, some great name, um, but it's it's God reforming our lives from the inside uh, out. And I don't know what you're addicted to, whether it's alcohol or drugs or sex or, or just vanity, uh, outward beauty or strength or humor or intelligence, knowing the, being up to date on all the current affairs or independence or, or having other people like you and appreciate you. Um, but I do know this, it doesn't work. All of our efforts at making those things go and making our life happy for those outward things don't, don't work. Gives a little bit and fights harder. Our outward focus doesn't give us that freedom. We're stuck in it. Whatever thing we find we're addicted to, we're stuck in that addiction. We need Christ uh, to reform us. Uh, Jesus gives us freedom. The passage says he's secured for us an eternal freedom, an eternal uh, redemption to last forever, to reform us on the inside and outside, not waiting for our attempts to achieve it for ourselves through dead works, as the passage says, uh, but offering up his own life in our place. Oh, setting things straight. Uh, here's the perfection. Here's uh, the freedom. It's here in the gospel of Christ, uh, of Christ as our priest for us, interceding for us, giving his own blood for us, purifying even our conscience before the living God. This is freedom. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we... We like a lot of the things that you tell us in your word. It sounds good uh, to be clean inwardly. It feels good that we could not be accused, uh, but be at rest, be comfortable, and be secure on the inside. Lord, we struggle to believe that that's true. And Lord, we confess that our focus uh, is heavily on the on the outward things, Lord, I confess that uh, for myself. My heart is vain. Um, and what other people think of, of me, what other people think of us, rocks our whole world. What we think of ourselves, even on the outside, um, in terms of foundations of, of what we think our worth is. And we think that that's not true, that our worth is grounded in uh, how you've made us in your image. And that even on top of that, Lord, where we have... Uh, marred your image and made it ugly with our sin. Uh, you've covered it uh, with your unblemished perfection in Christ. Let you allow that to be true even for us. Oh Lord, let us believe the gospel. Uh, let us rest in the gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the freedom that the gospel brings for us to worship you uh, and to serve you.
You are good and gracious and a loving God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.